0: Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Brian Candelo. Good morning, church. Good to see you here this morning. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Welcome to Salem Alliance. For those of you joining us online, Thanks for being a part of our family that way. We love that you get to join us that way. Hey, before we jump in, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your generosity. Thanksgiving, we did an offering, over $20,000 came in, and we celebrate that. It went two different places. We can celebrate that. <clears throat> Two different places. It went, uh, some of it's going to Night to Shine, uh, which is our special needs prom. And it's really just an extension of our special needs ministry here called GLOW. And if you'd like to volunteer with that, we'd love to have you. And the other part of that went towards purchasing a van for our refugee ministry. So thanks so much for that generosity. I also want to look forward to the Christmas offering and let you know what that offering will be for as well. First, it will be for uh, Macy Rubel, the very smiling face here on the right, and she is an RTI grad, an international worker with the Alliance. She's just finished her language study, and in just a few short weeks, she's headed to North Africa. And so we're partnering with some other churches and donors because she needs a car for her ministry. So the first twelve thousand of the Christmas offering will go to Macy, and anything above and beyond that will go to continuing to clear the debt here. We've been talking about this for several months. We have $700,000 left until we're debt free on our campus buildings. And so we wanna just bring that to a close and so that's what the rest of that offering will be for. So thanks in advance for your generosity for that as well. So let's pray together, family, before we start. Jesus, we thank you that we get to be family, that we get to be in your family. And we want to lift up some of your family. For those in this place who are wrestling, we pray peace. For those who have lost loved ones, we pray peace and presence. For those with family struggles, we just pray your intervention, your hand of blessing. Jesus, that you would be known among us and known in us. And I pray now as we open your word, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this place uniquely and specifically as you always do. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, finding the perfect Christmas gift can be difficult. There's way too many options and there's not near enough time. That That perfect gift can be elusive. And so... This morning, I'm here to help you. I have a few ideas for you. In the past, I've kind of given you a gift-giving guide, and this is the 2023 version of that that might spark some creativity in your gift-giving. So, um, babies are great. We all know that, but we know that they're messy as well. And the thing about babies is they make the messes, but they don't ever help clean them up, unless you purchase this. This is called a baby mop onesie. And so the kid makes the mess, you just put on the onesie and they scoot right over it, it cleans it right up, $27.99 from Amazon. Remember the little green army men that some of us in the room used to play with as kids? Yes, and they've kind of come in and out of favor, but there's a a new iteration of those little green army men called Yoga Joes. Uh, You can see it here. (laughs) So just a little bit different than what you're used to playing with. And I loved this one because the tagline is, they're here to keep the inner peace. So $25 online, you can get yourself some Yoga Joes. Maybe you have a person in your life that loves spending time with their cat, but they're so busy running around and you know cats don't do very well on leashes that it's difficult to spend that quality time. Have you seen these? They make cat backpacks so that you can take your cat with you everywhere. You can terrorize your cat by carrying it on your back. $39.99 on Amazon in multiple different colors there on the side. A little cat spacesuit, it looks like. I found a product to help you protect some of your most prized possessions. And I know what you're thinking. It's this. Chicken helmets. (laughs) They make chicken helmets, $12.99 on Amazon, which seems like a steal, and the reason this jumped out at me was the tagline that they had that said, this is protection from the weather, which doesn't seem like that at all, Uh, but even more so, it says, can reduce the risk of serious head injuries, and I wondered as I saw this, what am I missing? Are, Are chicken concussions a big deal now? Is there something going on? I don't know. Uh, how many of you had Rock'em Sock'em robots growing up? you remember those? Um, yeah, it was a great toy. Um, and it'd be better if they were life-size. That would be really cool. And of course, somebody did this. They're called bionic boppers. And you get inside them, and then you get to punch your opponent. And they're only $20,000 for the pair. <laughs> but you know how sometimes at Christmas family tension rises, this would be the best way to work that out. You just jump in there, you fight it out, and you get out, and you're good to go after that. If you're wondering what to get me for Christmas, because I knew you were. I knew that that was really high on your priority list. Walt Disney Animation Studios has a special thing going on right now where they will make a digital short starring you as the main character. You get to voice this digital short, and it will have a Hollywood premiere. For only $510,000, guys, we could make this happen. (laughs) I'm not holding my breath. Uh, Let's do one more. Technology has brought us many wonderful things. We have space travel, we have cell phones, we have air fryers, we have heated seats. I don't know. There's a lot of great things. But one thing has been missing, and that thing is the ability to print a picture on a potato. (laughs) But someone has solved this. (laughs) If you go to potatoparcel.com, you can get a picture printed on a potato. Now this is my Christmas gift for Rob. He's not in the service, so nobody tell him that this is coming. But I feel like this is what we've all been missing for Christmas, and it's really $21.99. You can find some discount codes online even. So super excited about that. These are all great things, right? That would bring joy, especially the potato. A lot of joy could come from that. But we understand that gifts don't bring lasting joy. Gifts bring momentary joy. Sometimes they bring prolonged joy, but they don't bring lasting joy. And so today we want to talk about that source of lasting joy. And we're going to talk about this idea right here. It's this idea that the gospel brings great joy to all people. The gospel brings great joy to all people. And you might look at that and you might think, does it though? Does it really bring great joy? Is it really for all people? And I can say this confidently because we find it in scripture. We actually find it in our text that the birth of Jesus brings joy to the world. Now we're continuing on in our series, just simply titled Joy. And last week, Rob talked to us about Zechariah. In doing so, he defined joy. And I just want to remind us of that definition. You see, joy is the awareness and understanding of God's grace and favor. It's the awareness and understanding of God's grace and favor. And it carries with it this idea that God is leaning towards us. And I don't know if that's the picture you have in your head of God because I think oftentimes we think that God's leaning away from us a little bit even disdainfully. But joy is understanding that God is leaning towards us. And this is what gives us hope. But joy also carries with it a longing. There's a little bit of a pang, a little bit of a pain with joy because joy looks forward. Joy looks towards the things that are to come so we're gonna see that in our passage. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Luke chapter two, starting in the first verse. And this is just the classic Christmas story that we're all used to hearing. And I want us to see that when we begin this story, it doesn't start once upon a time. It starts with real people in a real time and in a real place. And so may the story that you've heard over and over and over again have new life breathed into it this morning by Holy Spirit at that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census and because Joseph was a descendant of King David he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea David's ancient home he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Nazareth is like about ninety miles north of Bethlehem, and that's going through Samaria. And a lot of people think they might have gone around Samaria, which would have added distance, but that just gives you a little perspective. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth And you see what the angel said in verse 10, this idea that I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And so we wanna talk about what that joy is and and how that joy is laid out for us. What are some of the components of that joy? And we're gonna see that it's present, that it's accessible, and that it's transformational. It's present, accessible, and transformational. First, we see that it's present, that this joy has come. This great joy comes from the good news. Literally, that word is gospel. And we're familiar with that word, gospel. But it didn't yet hold all of the religious significance that it holds today, but it did hold significant cultural influence. It was a word that they would use in their culture, and literally it means News that brings joy. It's not the daily news. It's not the latest gossip. It's history-making, life-shaping news. It's news about something that has been done for us that changes our status forever and so in the Roman Empire they would send out what they called evangelists with the gospel and it would be news and they would ride into towns and they would shout something like you know we've just defeated this army and now you're all free. They would come in with the gospel and give news that changed people's status and The gospel is key because for us in Christianity, it's the difference between us and other religions. Other religions are typically about advice. They're about a set of rules for living. But with Christianity, the gospel's news. See, our foundation is an actual event that happened in history that changes us forever. Other religions say this is what you have to do in order to earn your way to God. Christianity says this is what has been done for you so that you can spend forever with God. And that's the news. It's the news that brings joy. And this moment is the advent of that joy. It's arrived, it's, it's present, it's here. It's not just there. It's for now, it's not just for the future. Because I think sometimes we have this idea that joy is a someday proposition, that it's out there somewhere, or maybe that other people have it and we've somehow missed it altogether. And we've had experiences where we've seen that even now, where you're at a restaurant eating a meal with your people and there's that table next to you, the one that's loud and laughing and boisterous and seems like the party's going on there and you're like, hmm, I wonder if they'd let me sit there. Or when you read other people's posts, We all know this happens. We always compare our our B-roll footage to everybody else's highlight reel and they're doing great things and it seems like everything's so great for them and that joy is just a little bit out of our reach. What the angel's telling us is this joy has come. It's here, it's present. In verse 13, we see the angel joined by a multitude of heavenly hosts and the glory of God, which is normally reserved for the temple, for God's holy place, is now on full display in a field. It's just out there. For all to have and to experience, joy has come. It's present. And it's not just present, it's accessible. It's for all of us. You see, this chapter begins with some pretty important names. It mentions Quirinius, which I'm sure you know all about. We don't know much about Quirinius. We don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. To him, I apologize. But we do know Caesar Augustus, pretty much the biggest name on the planet at the time. In speaking of Augustus, the Roman Senate declared to, to all people, to their entire empire, they put out a decree, the providence which divinely ordered our lives has created the most perfect good for our lives by producing Augustus. Sending us and those after us a Savior who put an end to war and established all things, exceeding the hopes of all who had anticipated good tidings. This is what the Roman Senate wanted the Empire to understand about Augustus. He's a big deal. And this census shows his power, right? He issues a decree and the world moves in obedience. He's one of one. He's he's untouchable. He's unapproachable. Now, on the other side of the social and economic spectrum, we have Joseph and Mary and the shepherds. Joseph couldn't even get housing, He had no VIP status, he had no reward points, he had no contacts in the city. Really it seems like the only thing Joseph has of significance is his birthright, that he's of the house of David and that's something that he will pass on to Jesus. Luke, even later on in this gospel, shares a little bit about their situation when they were at the temple for the dedication and they gave the offering of the poorest of the poor. That there's a simplicity and a humility to Joseph and Mary, and even the setting for the birth is simple and humble. And I think it's hard for us to really kind of wrap our arms around the nativity, which is why, in some sense, we've over-sentimentalized it, haven't we? When we picture the nativity, we always picture it with like soft, indirect lighting. And everything's just very clean and quiet, and the livestock, they're smiling, and the ox and lamb are keeping time, pa pum pum We know, we sing all about it. But the nativity is humility and simplicity. It's, it's actually the opposite of Augustus. The shepherds are the opposite of Augustus as well. Much has been written about the shepherds, uh, both good and bad, and it's kind of you know, like, where's their place in this story? And we know that there's some good things. Abraham and Moses and David were all at one time shepherds. David was the shepherd from Bethlehem who became the anointed king, which we kind of see playing out in this story, don't we? Jesus is the great shepherd. These are all good connections, But prior to this, Aristotle wrote that among people, the laziest are shepherds who lead an idle life and get their subsistence without trouble from tame animals. I don't necessarily know what Aristotle knew about shepherds. And if that's your profession, you can send a complaint straight to him. There's a Jewish book called the Mishnah. It's just Jewish wisdom and tradition. And it said that buying food and clothing from shepherds is forbidden because they are probably stolen goods. And so wherever you kind of see shepherds, shepherds really are a part of the story because in an agrarian society, they were often Poor and located toward the bottom of the scale of power and privilege, and they're a part of this story to highlight the stark contrast between the mighty and the minuscule, between the palace and the pasture, the higher-ups and the humble. But as we read this story, who gets to experience this monumental event? Caesar Augustus does not get a birth announcement, But the shepherds, they get an angelic singing telegram. It's amazing. Already the powerful are being brought low and the lowly are being lifted up, just like Mary's prayer. You see, the shepherds received the birth announcement to show that the family of God was and is and continues to be redefined That it's accessible to all of us, the excluded have been included, the outsiders been invited in, the marginalized, the the sinner, the forgotten have all been given an invitation. The good news that brings great joy, it's available to all of us. And so it's here and it's present and it's available, it's for everyone and it's also transformational. It's meant to transform our lives. But not necessarily in the way that we always think. Think about Joseph and Mary for a minute. They're living in a land that's controlled by a foreign oppressor not a good thing. They're living in what we call the 400 silent years, and really that's just the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it means that there's no major prophets or major prophecies going on at the time. There's 400 years of kind of nothing. A lot of people say that it was a dark time, and then the angel comes and brings the gospel, announces this good news that joy will come to the world. Light is coming and we have this young obedient righteous couple who's going to change the world and we can kind of look at their lives and think okay here's a formula that we can lean into obedience plus integrity equals blessing joy comes Things are looking up. And we think that the formula for this transformational joy is this. The transformational nature of the gospel means that if we obey and we live a life of integrity, then blessing will come to us. But think about how their story progresses even from this point. You know, first they can't find suitable housing for the birth and then they have to flee in the middle of the night to a foreign country because somebody's trying to kill them and this madman that's trying to kill their child then goes on and kills a bunch of other children. Even the words spoken over Jesus at his dedication are difficult to hear. Simeon says that, that many will fall because of him, that many will oppose him. He looks straight at Mary and he says, a sword will pierce your very soul. If, if Rob led children's dedications like that, I think we'd have far fewer child dedications in this place. And so you kind of see their story playing out and you want to believe that this is the way things work, that this is the transformational nature of the gospel. This is what's going to bring me joy. But in reality, it looks closer to this, doesn't it? Obedience plus integrity oftentimes equals chaos. We wanna have formulas, we want our faith to have real world guarantees. Like, God, if I do this, if I live this way, then you come along and you make all things better for me. And as much as we wanna believe that, as much as we wanna work that formula, it just doesn't work. But it doesn't keep us from trying. I read a story recently about buttons in our society that don't work, that are just there. And they did a survey of the buttons in New York City and found that nine out of every 10 crosswalk buttons don't work. They do nothing. And they found that, that businesses now are putting thermostats on the walls that aren't attached to anything so that people can like move them and, oh, I feel warmer now. And then they said the chief offender, the biggest button in our culture that doesn't work is the door close on an elevator button. And we've all tried, especially if you're an introvert and you're there alone and you're like, oh, please close. Don't let anybody else on this elevator. I keep pressing that button. I keep pressing that button of obedience plus integrity equals blessing. And I'm smashing that button thinking, Jesus, I'm following you. So bring the joy, make it better. And yet we still walk through difficult stuff, don't we? And we all walk through difficult things and I don't know what your scenario is. Maybe it's the the job that I have isn't really the job I thought it would be. Or I just went through a really tough breakup and I don't think I'm ever gonna find anyone. Or my kids keep drifting away from me or nobody has any answers to the medical condition that I have. Anxiety seems to be winning in my life, or recently I know what it's like to get a panicked phone call that caused me to move quickly in a direction and I didn't know what I was walking into. And in those moments, we question, what's going on, God? What happened? What happened to the good news that brings great joy? And when we start smashing that button of that first formula and we think that that's the way it's supposed to happen, we kind of end up in one of two places. We end up really down on ourselves because we think, well, I'm doing it wrong. I'm the outlier. I'm the one that doesn't get it. I'm the one messing up. Or we look at God and we say, oh, well, God's just uncaring and he's disinterested. See, the advent of joy is supposed to make my life better, but it doesn't seem to be working. And so how is this joy transformational if it doesn't transform our circumstances? How is it transformational in the lives of the shepherds? How is it transformational in the lives of Joseph and Mary when it didn't seem to transform their circumstances too much? Here's the thing. Joy doesn't always transform our circumstances, but it transforms us. It doesn't always transform our circumstances, it transforms us. It meets us in the present and it radically reshapes our future. In our current circumstances, we get to experience God's grace and his forgiveness. We have communion with God. We have someone who walks with us through our pain because he experienced pain as well. We also have a family. We have a community that we get to walk with. But mostly we have hope because joy looks forward. The gospel is news that changes our status for all of eternity. That's the guarantee that we get. It thinks bigger than we think. Its impact is bigger than we can imagine. It's strength for today. It's bright hope for tomorrow. This is how Christian joy can coexist with suffering. We don't deny our own pain. We don't deny that the world is painful. You see, joy doesn't remove difficulties as much as it just gets us through them. It revises and remodels and reshapes us, rebuilds us, reorders us, renews us. We are transformed by it. God's grace and favor and mercy are leaning towards us. Our future is secure and that's what transforms us. And so how do we grow in this joy? In the already, in the not yet, in the time between times, how do we grow in this? At the end of this passage of scripture, there's just a few verses that offer us three quick things. Verse 17 says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Three things, first I would say this, tell the story. You notice we tell this story every year, the same story. We need to continue to tell this story and our stories. The, she- the shepherds, they witnessed to others as they shared what they had witnessed. And we witness to others in the same way. Don't miss the beautiful and ordinary way the gospel comes to most people. The shepherds had an angel, everybody else just got shepherds. We're that, We get to be those shepherds. We get to share our story of being transformed by the gospel and our joy increases as we allow others the opportunity to experience this profound joy. Secondly, I would say this. Think about the story often. We see that in the life of Mary. The NIV uses the words treasured and pondered. Treasured is to keep close to hold close, it has to do with the heart, it's emotional, and and ponder just means to think and, and connect it with the other things that you know, and so she was working on her heart and her head in this moment, because amazement doesn't always equal faith, emotion doesn't always equal faith, we need more than that. If we're to fully appreciate the story, we need to be more thoughtful, and Mary, even with all that she was experiencing, and even the fulfillment of these things, is still thinking about them. Christian joy is intelligent. It's profoundly thoughtful and it grows as we think deeply about the gospel story and our story. And so maybe your mantra can be this season, treasure and ponder, treasure and ponder. I want to treasure and ponder these moments. And lastly, I would just say this, rejoice. We get to rejoice. In verses 13 and 14, we see God's royal entourage, the heavenly hosts, demonstrating the proper response for us and all of creation, They're worshiping. And in verse 20, the shepherds go away, glorifying and praising God. And our praise is often how we express our love with joy. Recently, I've been thinking about the connection between saying grace before a meal and Advent. And I I do think there's a connection. We say grace before a meal, and it may be one of the mindless, most mindless prayers that we pray, right? It's memorized, it's mechanical. We say it very quickly to get to the good stuff the food, and thankfulness is a part of it, and that's a good thing, we wanna be thankful for the way God has provided for us, but grace, even when it was introduced, was meant to have us look forward, it was really meant to have us remember the great feast that we will experience one day with all of the saints and Jesus in heaven. And so, when we say grace, we're meant to look towards that day. And honestly, I've changed the way that I pray that prayer. And I want to say, Jesus, thanks that one day, we'll get to eat great food together. Advent, Advent can be mindless and memorized, and we can go through the motions of this story so that we can get to the good part, right? The gifts, the potato. We want to get to that point in this season. Now, thankfulness needs to be a part of it. We need to, just as we're saying grace, Advent needs to have a season of thankfulness. Jesus, thank you for coming. But Advent is also intended for us to look forward. It's meant to make us look forward because Christ is coming again once and for all to establish his eternal kingdom. He will reign forever. He will set everything right. And truly, the end of the story will be and they all lived happily ever after. The gospel brings great joy to all people. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this story. And I pray again that you would make this story come alive to us in fresh ways this season. That you would bring to mind people that we can share this story with, that you would give us moments, that you would give us courage to share. That you would also give us moments to treasure and to ponder. Give us quiet moments to think. Jesus, may we be transformed by this story. May we be transformed by this joy. Would you do a new work in us? We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.